Okay, a good yantif. Uh, sorry for the late start. Well, let's go right to it. The lawyer on behalf of the prosecution for the Soviet regime held up an item as evidence to the uh, crimes of all of the 10 accused. There were 10 Hasidim accused of being counter-revolutionaries, of teaching Torah underground, and the proof that they were all guilty, he said, was in his hands. He said, I found one of these in each of the homes of the defendants. What did he find in their homes? He found a Tanya. And he said, these are their weapons. This is what makes them do what they do. So I was thinking about this story, and today they have a sort of MRI that can examine the mind and heart of a person and see if a person has ADHD, has depression. And I was thinking, like, if the KGB officer were to have a Hasidic tool to examine us and to look inside our heart and mind, uh, would they be able to detect anything of the Tanya in our perspective? Would there be a trace of Tanya in our heart and mind, the way we look at things? So with that question in mind, let's, uh, let's fabreng. I want to dedicate our fabreng tonight to Neshama of Miriam Basim Morachem Mesha Aaron, an anniversary of passings tonight. May her Neshama have an Aliyah. May she be good to better on behalf of all of her family for all good Baseich Al Yisrael. Also, could dedicate this to Neshama of Rabbi Mendel Avkovsky, who's your today's night as well, Rabbi Macha Mendel, Rabbi Nachum, and Yibolid, Mechaya Chaim Chaimtei Maruchim. I want to dedicate this to a mother of 13 children who needs her full shlema. Her name is Henya Bas Brachot Veraleya. L'chaim, l'chaim, she'ever fua, kreva, shleim, l'chaim. The Hasidic um, masters say that when the Jewish people ate the man, they were suddenly able to, um, they were able to see the thoughts of everyone around them. That's what the Torah says. They did not know what it was. It was man. What didn't they know? They didn't understand the sudden change in consciousness that they experienced. At first, they had all kinds of friends and people in their lives. And suddenly, they didn't know who the people they thought they knew were. Because once you ate the man, you're able to know the thoughts of everyone around you. So people they thought before were tzaddikim, they discovered weren't that great tzaddikim. People they thought they were wicked weren't that wicked. So they didn't know where this came from. And where this came from was from eating the man. So just like this is true for uh, eating the man, that you're able to uh, see the thoughts of others, there is a part of Torah, which is like the man, that doesn't allow us to see the thoughts of others, but allows us to see what we need to see, the inner workings of what's going on around us. Allows, allows us to see Hashem's hand in our lives. And that part of Torah is a part of Torah that was revealed by the Mithra Rebbe. There is a um, unique 
celebration tonight. Celebration of the Mitzvah Rebbe's redemption. What's unique about this redemption, although this wasn't the uh, first celebration, although this wasn't the first celebration that Hasidim had that a Rebbe was released from prison, this is the second one, yet it's something that is very unique. And it's precisely because it wasn't the first. The first redemption of the Alter Rebbe from prison represents how when the forces of darkness uh, try to stop the light of God coming into the world, the forces of light are victorious over darkness. And as the Alter Rebbe's redemption was in such a dramatic and miraculous way, it, it, it represented and it showed to everyone in the language of the Alter Rebbe that even the the ministers of the, the non-Jewish ministers of the government were able to see that hifli v'higla Hashem l'asis baratz able to see the miraculous miracles of God in a way that was open and clear. So you saw that light triumphed over darkness. You saw the good triumphed over evil. It was amazing. But after this redemption of the Alter Rebbe and the Alter Rebbe's continuous revelation of these teachings, the teachings of Hasidus, and the Alter Rebbe's passing, and now it's the time of the second generation, the Mithra Rebbe, there is again an accusation, and there is again an imprisonment. So that may make you think, well, light overcame darkness, and good overcame evil, but what happens now? It, may, it, it makes you think that there is some kind of um, stronger force in darkness, and that's why it's coming back again. That's what you might think. And the redemption the Mithra Rebbe shows us that even after there's a great redemption, even after there's a great light, even after something amazing happens, and yet again you fall, even after you've been victorious, so it's confusing, right? You've been victorious, you've won, and now you've fallen again. And now it makes you think, well, if I fall, if I fall again, that means that the darker forces are, are more powerful than the forces of light comes the Mithra Rebbe's redemption tonight and tells us that even after you've fallen down a second time, you're able to get back up. And it's, it's very powerful, this idea, that, because the original triumph of Hasidus over darkness, just it, it's dramatic and it's glamorous. But there's something very unglamorous about falling down a second time. And the Rebbe put this in very clear terms about ourselves and our lives. And he said, a person may be in a yeshiva, and he studies something very inspiring. And that inspiration carries him, and lifts him away from the darkness of the past, and makes him put a, puts him on a pedestal to do amazing things. But that, that same person now leaves the yeshiva, and life goes on, and a decade passes. And now that person wants to suddenly rise up again. He suddenly wants to connect again. And the question is, can he possibly, after not being in yeshiva, not being in the holy environment, not being connected to all that he used to be connected to in the past, is he able to be redeemed again using the same medicine that he used in the yeshiva when considering the fact that he's fallen again, he's, 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 gone very, he's gone very far away from where he was before. In yeshiva, it worked for a certain amount of time, but now it, it, it seems like it stopped working because he's left yeshiva. Can he rise again? So the Geula of the, the 10th of Kislev says yes. And that's a purpose of celebrating this day. Tonight is called the birthday of a chassid. 
The 10th of Kislev is called the day a chassid is born. Unlike other celebrations throughout the year, which are about the development and the expansion of Hasidic energy and light, tonight is about the initial birth of a chassid. What that means is, is that Hashem gives us the ability to make that first step towards Hashem. And that first step is sometimes the hardest thing to make. As in this week's Torah portion, in the Haftorah of today, we read, My people, Hashem says, is wayward, is questioning, should we come back? And a big part of that question, should we come back, is, can I come back? Is it possible, knowing where I am, and knowing the distance that I've gone away from where I wanted to be, can I rise again? Can I make that step again? So there's something about the Geula of Yud Kislev that answers that question. Well, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Let's go a little bit back into the um, Geula of the Mitla Rebbe and the, the early childhood of Mitla Rebbe and let's get some, some um, context to understand exactly what this redemption is about and how this applies to us in our lives um, as most of us listening, I'm sure, are already past the age of being in yeshiva, and how are we certainly supposed to experience this spiritual redemption on this day? It certainly is a day of redemption. That's what our Rebbe has taught us. But how are we supposed to personally experience this? When the Mitla Rebbe was a, a child, he was taught by a, a chassid of his father, of the Alter Rebbe. The Alter Rebbe went over to one of his chassidim, um, and he said to him, you have a mitzvah of feeding your family. I have a mitzvah of teaching my children. Let's switch mitzvahs. I will feed your family, and you teach my son the Mitzvah Rebbe. And the, um, the Alter Rebbe said that in, not only will he... Um, Thank you, Mechal Dov. There's no such thing as past yeshiva age. That's right. Very good. That's exactly the point of this Fabrengim. So the, um, the Alter Rebbe has told this to this Chassid, and the Chassid was a very smart man. He said to the Alter Rebbe, well, if I want to teach your son, I need to know how to teach. Tell me what to teach. So the Alter Rebbe said, teaching starts with Aleph base. The beginning of teaching is with Aleph base. And the Alter Rebbe would speak with a song. And he said, what is an Aleph? An Aleph has a dot on top, a yud on top. And the yud on bottom, and above in the middle, this is an olive. The yud on top, said the Alter Rebbe, is Hashem. Because all of our understanding of godliness is tiny, compared to Hashem's infinity. And our approach to Hashem has to be like a yud, making ourselves small, and pushing ourselves aside for the sake of what Hashem wants us to do. And the line, the vav, that connects the yud on the bottom, the yud on top, is our absolute faith in Hashem. That's what the Alter Rebbe said. The Alter promised this teacher that he will see grandchildren and great-grandchildren of his students. His, this teacher's name was Avram de Malamid. Many years later, in Tafresh Nun, the time of the Rebbe Rashab, this Malamid, this teacher's son, his name was Urbanish de Malamid, he's also a school teacher, he came with his nephew, Reb Peretz Beshnikovitz, if you can say that, you may lose your American passport. So Reb Peretz Beshnikovitz came together with his uncle, Reb Avram the Malamid, to Lubavitch to visit Reb Rashab. Reb, 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 Reb 
Rabbeinish said many stories about his father, Rabbi Avram. One of the stories he said was that when he taught the Mithla Rebbe Gemara, the Mithla Rebbe asked him an interesting question. It says in Gemara, in Shabbos, I think called Takkup Yuches, but I think it says that Rabbi Yosef asked Rabbi Yosef, the son of Rabbi, he said to Rabbi Yosef, the son of Rabbi, he said, um, What mitzvah did your father keep more carefully? What was your father more stringent about? So he responded, my father was more careful about the mitzvah of, of tzitzis. So when the Mitzvah Rebbe learned this, said Rebbe Avram, the teacher, he said, the Mitzvah Rebbe laughed at me. He's laughing. He said, what, why are you laughing? He said, Rabbah's surely kept every mitzvah. What do you mean when you say, which mitzvah did Rabbah keep carefully? Of course he kept every mitzvah carefully. So Rav Ram asked the Mitla Rebbe, so what then does this, mish- does this question and answer mean? So the Mitla Rebbe said, the word Zahir, which means careful, is related to the verse, Hamaskilim Yazhiru Kazeya The Tzadikim will shine like the shine, like the light of the sun, like light of the sky. So the Mitla Rebbe said that when a Jew does a mitzvah, Rechava mitzvah a mitzvah is a gate, and through a gate, a person receives a light in their soul, so their soul can, can shine. And so the Mitla Rebbe said, the question of Rabbi Yosef to Rabbi, the son of Rabbi, the Yosef, the son of Rabbi was, what mitzvah did your father shine in? What was the mitzvah he shined in the most? And he answered in, my father shined, where did you see the light of his soul? You saw the light of his soul mostly in the midst of tzitzis. That's a, that's the that was the gateway through which my father's soul shined. So in a similar way, the Rebbe said that the mitzvah that our generation, the Hasidim, our generation, focus on is the teachings of Hasidus, revelation of Hasidus, and sharing Hasidus with others, and especially as we are about to enter the time of the coming of Mashiach learning Hasidus in a way that prepares us for the coming of Mashiach. So, what is the unique contribution that Hasidus has to give us as we prepare for the coming of Mashiach? What is it meant to give us? What is it meant to teach us? I want to share with you two stories, which I think are very apropos to, um, to this theme of learning Hasidus in a way that prepares us for the coming of Mashiach, and in sync with this week's Torah portion. Torah says that when Yaakov and Lavan met each other, they made a pact. The pact was, they put up a mound of stones, and they said, no one can pass over this mound of stones. In Hebrew, the word the Torah uses for mound is Gal. Gal is also the letter's that equal to the number 33. So the Harizal says that this mound represents the 33rd day of the Omer, the anniversary, the passing of Rav Shimba Yochai. Rav Shimba Yochai and the Mitla Rebbe have a unique connection. The connection is that both the Mitla Rebbe and Rav Shimba Yochai revealed the inner dimension of Torah, but not just that. The last day of Rav Shimba Yochai's life was spent revealing the inner dimension of Torah, so much so that the Rebbe HaShab said that 
whatever Rabbi Shimon Yechoi revealed in his life before that day was nothing compared to what he revealed on the day of his passing on Lagbaim. And in a similar way, the Mitzler Rebbe, he also taught Hasidus, he taught the intervention of Torah on his last day in this world. And just like Rabbi Shimon Yechoi taught Torah until he got up to the word Chaim, until he got up to the word life, so to the Mitzler Rebbe, he also taught Hasidus until he said the word Chaim, and with the word Chaim, the soul of the Mitla Rebbe ascended to heaven. So both the Mitla Rebbe and the and the Shem Yochai both taught the inner dimension of Torah. The inner Chaim of Shmuel, Chaim of Racha. And I'm mute you if you're not uh, talking. Chaim. So they, they both taught the inner dimension of Torah. But this has a special relevance to the verse which um, indicates the relationship between the, the mound of stones and Lag Bomer. What's even a mound of stones? If you want to separate yourself from Lavan, so put up a fence. What's even a mound of stones? And this, mound, this pact they made was very significant. Many, many years later, Torah says that the general of David HaMelech, general of King David, Yoav, he went to go fight a war, and the people he was fighting against said, you're not allowed to fight against us. Yaakov made a pact with love, and no one's allowed to go in this area. This is, a, this, is, this is a pact forever. And he went back to King David, and King David called the Jewish court, and the Jewish court convened, and they discovered that the pact was already, was already broken by Bilam. Bilam came from Aram, so he was coming from the family of Lavan. And he already transgressed this pact, and therefore it was permitted, permissible for Yoav to destroy the enemies of the Jewish people at that time. But this was a real pact they had. And yet the pact was formed with a mound of stones. What's the meaning of a mound of stones? So the idea of a mound of stones is that you can pass over the mound, but you only pass over that mound for a purpose. As Rashi says, they made a deal, you could pass over this mound to do business, and that's all. What does that mean? The passing over the Mount of Stone to do business means there is Yaakov and there is Laban. There is the soul and there is the body. There is God's intent for creation. There is the purpose and there is existence. And Hashem sends the soul and the body in order to reveal God's presence in the world. So Yaakov and Laban need to have some kind of separation. Yaakov needs to know why he is in this world. And he can't forget about the purpose of his mission. And yet he can't be in isolation. He can't be separate from his mission. He has to be involved in the mission. In Hasidus, there's a term, Tfisa and Islapshus. Roughly translated, Islapshus means to dress yourself in something. Tfisa means to be taken by something. So let's say, for example, your kids are playing Monopoly. You want to play with your kids a game of Monopoly. They want to play with daddy. So you play a game of Monopoly with them. But as you get in the game, and you get involved in the game, suddenly you feel like, I want to win this game. Hey, why can't I get Boardwalk and Park Place? And then I'll be able to get hotels and get, you know, and that's the difference between being enclosed in something versus being taken by it. You need to, you need to be involved, but you can't be taken by it. As Maimonides says, for example, about anger. Maimonides says sometimes in order to convey a message, you need to put on a face of frustration, but you should never get angry. So in a similar way with Yaakov and Lavan, the idea of the, the, the mound of stones represents that a Jew has to keep his soul above the body, and yet it can't be in isolation. The soul has a mission to do in this physical world, 
And Hashem orchestrates every detail in our lives in a way so that we can fulfill this mission and reveal godliness in the world. And the way to get the sense of where we're going and what, we're, what we need to do, that's why God gave us the teachings of Hasidus. These teachings are unique in giving us the sense of what we need to do and how to do it. When the Mithra Rebbe was a child, he loved playing with the, uh, hanging around with the older Hasidim. One of them was, one of his favorite friends was Rabbi Shmuel Munkus, who was already then an older Hasid. And the Mithra Rebbe one day wanted to go see his father. But as he's about to enter his father's room, there were many Hasidim waiting to see his father. One of them was Rabbi Shmuel Munkus, one of them was a base of Kolbay, another was Rabbi Shemir of Falls. And they're all waiting to see the Alter Rebbe. And Rabshum Munkus asks his friends, Abbas of Kolbe and Rabshum Falls, how is business? So they responded, times are tough and business is slow. So Mitla Rebbe is a child and seven years old. He says, why are you asking them why, why they're sad? Sadness is explained to us by King David in Tehillim. What does it say in Tehillim? We say in the Shabbos davening as well. It says, their idols are made of silver and gold. The work of the hands of man. They have a mouth, they cannot speak. They have eyes, they cannot hear. Idols can't speak and hear and think. That's what the verse says. The Mithra Rebbe explained this verse to mean something different. Instead of meaning their idols, he translated it as their sadness. He says, when you go to um, Leipzig, or you, or you go to um, Yosef Kolbe did business in Leipzig. So you go to Leipzig, or you go to the city that uh, Shemir Falls went, went go on business to. He went to business in um, in Kenningsburg. Kenningsburg. You go to business in these places. You think you're going to earn more and more rubles, more kopecks by traveling to Kenningsburg and to Leipzig, and that's why you get sad because you think that your financial success is the work of your own hands. Said the Mitla Rebbe, because you think that, you may say lots of Hasidus. means to control. You may say it, but it doesn't have any control on your life. You have eyes that see divine providence, but you don't get it because of your perspective about your finances. Your perspective of your finances really makes a bubble. You can't see or hear or think. And know what's going on. You have eyes, you don't see divine providence. You have ears, you have a even nose you can't smell. It's all blocked up because of your perspective that your finances are by, by your, your, the work of your hands. Silver and gold are the work of the hands of man. So what's the ticket? What's the rectification? How do we fix this? That's a problem. Because we think that we can't see, we can't hear, we see hear, we hear inspiring things, we see inspiring things. So the answer is, is that we have to change the way we look at things. We have to really understand that whatever's happening to us is by divine providence and not the work of the hands of man. And one of the things that helps in that regard is sharing stories of tzaddikim and sharing stories of chassidim as well. Um, I once saw this bumper sticker. It said, what people call reality is an illusion caused by the absence of alcohol. So I don't think that's really true. But reality what people call reality, is illusion caused by the absence of sharing teachings of Hasidim and sharing stories of Tzaddikim. So on that note, I want to share with you two stories. A good friend of mine, by Zevi Frimman, I just moved, moved recently to uh, Nyack in uh, New York. And 
on Friday night, his wife lights Shabbos candles, and after working hard to prepare for Shabbos, she finally sits down on the couch, but suddenly she notices that her daughter has a, her eyes are, are swelling. So what's she going to do? So she wasn't sure if she's allowed to take her daughter to the hospital or not on Shabbos. Of course she is. But anyways, she wasn't sure. So she decided she's going to walk to the hospital. On the way to the hospital is the synagogue. So she stopped by in the synagogue. She told her husband, Rabbi Zevi, that she's going to the hospital, to the emergency room, uh, because the daughter is has this, this swelling in her eye. It's blowing up. It's getting bigger and bigger. So they go to the, the uh, hospital. And in the ER, there's a huge uh, line. And what are they going to do? Wait for 10 hours? So there's, well, they have no choice. So they sit in there and they're waiting. And while they're waiting, uh, Rabbi Zevi comes in. It was raining. It was water pouring out of off his hat. And he says to his wife that one of the guys in the shul said that across the street from the hospital, there is an urgent care. And urgent care is much easier to get into. The line is a lot shorter. All right. They cross the street to f- try to find the urgent care. But there are many versions of crossing the street and finding the urgent care. It's raining. They can't find the urgent care. They cross the street this way. They cross the street that way. They meet someone, someone else. After a long, long time, they finally find the urgent care. And, and you know, it's in the urgent care itself, it's not so simple. To go to urgent care without a license, without a credit card, it's Friday night. Yes, our ins- we have insurance. Our insurance is DZQRV, you know. And they go back and forth and tell them their insurance and, they, and we'll sign the documents on Sunday. We can't sign it today. The urgent care lets them in. And the doctor examines their child and within a few seconds, the doctor says, she should stop rubbing her eyes. That's it? Just, she should stop rubbing her eyes. She's okay, just she should stop rubbing her eyes. Well, okay, fine. And sure enough, she stops rubbing her eyes and her condition get, dramatically improves very quickly. They leave the urgent care, and they walk outside. The second they walk outside, they see a man and woman walk past them, who they're dressed very religiously. And they, they and they, 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 this, this man and woman stop, and they and they say hello, good Shabbos, and they are they're really they're a little shocked because this is not like you know Crown Heights or Flatbush or Borough Park. This is Nyack. There aren't that many religious Jews that live there yet. And uh, they were surprised to see them. Who is this man and woman in the middle of this, in the middle of a night, on Friday night, in the middle of, of, of this, this, this uh, in front of this urgent care. So they told them, they told the Firmamans that we just, uh, unfortunately, they just lost their father. They were in the Bronx, in the hospital. And their father passed away shortly before Shabbos. And they now were hoping to get back to home in Mansi. But there was, a, there was traffic. They couldn't get back home in time. So right before Shabbos, they saw they weren't going to make it. They pulled into a Walmart right before Shabbos. And they asked in the Walmart, do they know where the Jewish community lives? Where it is? So there was one employee in Walmart that had a connection to the Chabad Center in Nyack and said, yeah, there is a... Uh, there is a, a, a synagogue, and it tells them how to get there. But by the time they got there, what they discovered, they discovered a bunch of closed school buildings. What do they do now? They started walking back to Walmart. What do they do in Walmart? I don't know, but they started walking back to Walmart. And the second 
the rabbi, Mrs. Freeman, walked out of the urgent care. They met them and they brought them to their home. Apparently, God wanted that this couple, this this brother and sister, who were fresh orphans, shouldn't feel that they're they're alone in the world and no one's watching them anymore. And so they, Baruch Hashem, were taken care of that Shabbos by the Freemans, and it wasn't just that Shabbos, but it, you know, it it was heartwarming to them in that in that moment of of confusion and that they're not they're not alone. My brother-in-law, Rabbi Yossi Roth, just told me details of a story I heard a long time ago. But uh, I just, just heard the details of the story tonight. Unbelievable. Rabbi Zalman, Rabbi Zalman Roth lives here in Los Angeles. He uh, wanted to see his, the way his parents grew up in Europe. He wanted to go to a, when he was a teenager, he wanted to go visit Europe. But in those, he was living in L.A. And to take a flight from Los Angeles to Europe was cost prohibitive for him. So he had an uncle living in Long Island, New York, and he decided he's going to drive cross country to Long Island, and and there he'll stay at his uncle's house. He'll get a ticket from JFK to to Paris, and he'll go see Europe. Then we'll see where his parents grew up. So he um, he drives cross country, and he arrives in uh, in New York. And he passes by, he's in, he's in Crown Heights, and he passes by the Jewish Center on the corner of Brooklyn and Eastern Parkway. And he has to go to the bathroom. So he's, you know, he's just driving, and he says, oh, there's, there's a public building. Let me go check out this public building. Because he had to go to the restroom. So he goes in the building, and he meets Reb Shem Azarchi, a venerable uh, chassid, and he says to him, hey, uh, nice to meet you. We don't look like, like you have been here before. No, I'm just driving cross-country and going to Europe. Oh, why don't you come with me to uh, 770 for a bit and check it out. So they came to 770, Rebbe Shul. He never ended up going to Europe. He only decided instead to stay in Hadara Torah and the yeshiva. And now, 50 years later, he has children, many children, and many grandchildren. Why? Because he had to go to the bathroom when he was driving cross-country from Los Angeles. So it, it just underscores how we really don't know how Hashem is always guiding us to, to be where we, where we need to be and where we're meant to be. The same as Rabbi Zalman Roth. Rabbi Zalman Roth was once in an audience with the Rebbe. And he was asking the Rebbe if he should go home to Los Angeles for Passover. And the Rebbe asked him, Will it be as it's meant to be? When you go home to Los Angeles, will it be as the way it's meant to be? So there we continued. There are people in Los Angeles that can help the way that the Passover should be the way it's meant to be. There is Rabbi Kunin and Rabbi, and after I mentioned other rabbis, they could help the Passover be the way it's meant to be. All right. There was a call Rabbi Kunin and ask him to help you make Passover in your mom's house should be the way, the way it's meant to be. All right. He walks out of the Rebbe's office, it's late at night, and he's thinking, the Rebbe said to call. But when is he supposed to call? He's supposed to call right now because he just heard it from the Rebbe? He's supposed to call tomorrow? I mean, it's an instruction from the Rebbe. It doesn't happen uh, frequently today, but it used to happen very often, a cross wire. You call one person, and the wire gets switched to someone else. Rebbe Zalman Roth is across the street from 770 Eastern Parkway by the dormitory, 740, 749 Eastern Parkway. 
and the payphone is ringing. It's two o'clock in the morning in in Los Angeles, but he picks up the phone. It's eleven o'clock in New York. He picks up the phone. Who's on the phone? Hello, it's Rabbi Kunin. <laughs> he was trying to call the Rebbe's secretariat. There's a crosswire, and suddenly he ended up in seven forty nine Eastern Parkway at the exact moment that Zalman Roth is passing by the payphone. Hello, hi, um, is this Rabbi Kunin? I just um, spoke to the Rebbe. He said I should speak to you about uh, my mom's kitchen. And needless to say, by the time he got to LAX, greeting him in LAX were Rabbi Levitin, Rabbi Schwartz, as long as Rabbi Kunin, with blowtorches, ready to destroy his, uh, his, um, his mother's kitchen. So the Geula, the redemption of Yud Kislev, is about realizing that Hashem gives us the ability, no matter what has happened until this point, to be born again, to renew our connection to Hashem. And the way we do this, especially, is by learning the teachings of Hasidus in a way that goes into our hearts and minds, the way that we understand it. In, in the analogy I mentioned before, imagine if there was an MRI that could analyze how much Tanya you have inside of you. So the power of the teachings of the Mitla Rebbe, Yechoi Hanar, was called the Wine River, is that he gives us the ability not just to learn Hasidus, but the Hasidus should be something that's part of us. One of the Mithra Rebbe's fondest wishes, as he said, was that when two men, young men, meet together, they should talk about Yehuda Ilah. They should talk about the oneness of Hashem. And the Mithra Rebbe explained, the Rebbe explained rather, that although he spoke about two young men, and although he spoke about learning the, the highest level of the oneness of Hashem, it doesn't only mean people who have a profound understanding of the oneness of Hashem. It doesn't only mean young men. Doesn't even mean men. Doesn't even mean adults. They've explained. It says in the Torah that there are six cities of refuge. And the Sefer HaChinuch says that just like there are six cities of refuge, there are six mitzvahs that we are com- commanded to do that bring us protection and refuge and blessing. And these mitzvahs don't have any time limit. Just like there were six cities you would run away to to be protected, so too there are six mitzvahs that protect you and house you when you engage in them. So I've explained. It says in the Pasuk in Amos, uh, chapter 2, verse 3, Can two people walk together unless it's been destined that they walk together? Is it possible for two people to walk together unless it's been destined? It's not possible. So why, have, why has it been destined that you meet someone and you talk to them? What are you supposed to talk to them about? So before you say, okay, Bitcoin, crypto, what else are we going to talk about? Before you say that, think about what the Torah is saying, that there's always six things you have to focus on. And those six things are loving Hashem, reverence for Hashem, belief in Hashem. And so the Mithra Rebbe said, when people meet together, what should they talk about? They should talk about their belief in Hashem. He said young people. Why did he say young people? The Rebbe said because he, being young means to feel empowered. When you feel, being, feeling young, and being young means you feel that you're on a mission from Hashem, that you're able to get the mission done. So, and it's not only for men, women are also obligated to keep this, these six commandments of love and reverence for Hashem. So why did you meet somebody, it wasn't you happened to meet this person, it was destined. Why are you supposed to meet them? So you should talk about, you should talk about the oneness of Hashem. And Rebbe said, even though you may not understand the highest level of, of, God, of God's oneness, but you're supposed to talk about it. You're supposed to talk about it. And that's, Really, what the 
what the Geula of Yud Kislev is about, it's not just about that you learn Hasidus and you spend time being patriotic to its teachings, but that becomes part of you. That, that, so your conversation is about God's omnipotence and God's omniscience, and you think that way and you feel that way. And that's what Geula means. Geula is about the world being a place of Hashem in the way that's manifest, in the way that's clear, in the way that we could see it and feel it. And the way we get in touch with that is by learning these teachings, not just learning them, but, but talking about them in a way that, that um, becomes part of us. So, Eva should help us, that we should attack, uh, add in our learning of these teachings in a way that becomes part of us. The Mithra Rebbe, who was a child, he was 10 years old, and he was by for Brengen of Hasidim. And the Hasidim were talking about a Mishnah. The Mishnah says that there's a difference between an acquisition to um, to holy, to um, when you want to contribute something to the base on Migdash, versus if you want to sell something to someone else. If you want to sell something to the Temple, the Talmud says that um, that it's as soon as money is past hands, you want to sell your cow, let's say, to the temple, as soon as you receive the money for the cow, the temple is considered the owner of the cow. That's the law regarding a cow. However, if regarding um, if you want to sell your cow to another person, so then the person has to make a hazaka, they have to make some kind of an active acquisition on the cow. So Chassim were discussing the inner meaning of this Mishnah. And they said, Govaya means to be uplifted. How you get uplifted? You get uplifted with money. What does it mean with money? The word money in Hebrew is related to love. Kesef means, which is silver, also means koisef, yearning. So how do you get uplifted? How do you lift yourself up? You lift yourself up with having yearning because to Hashem. Kesef gavaya. This is all part of a fabrengan that the Mitlul Rebbe is listening to as a, as a 10-year-old. Then the Hasidim said, but, but lehedyet, in order to pull yourself out of earthiness, in order to pull yourself out of vachadikai, in order to pull yourself out of, out of the negative stuff, it's not just to have love, not just enough, you need a, you need a chazaka, you need, a, you need to be strong. As one time, the previous show was talking to somebody, a private audience, and he said to him, ain't mol name, to say no once, meaning to say, say no to your animal soul, and no, no to the things you may be attracted to, one time, like, say it once, Meaning, like in a strong way that it's not gonna, it's not going to continue. Anyway, so so the, the Hasidim were saying kasev the gavaya, and le, but lehediyet bechazaka kasev. In order to be uplifted, you have to have love, and to order pull yourself out of negativity, out of out of earthiness, you got to be strong. That's what the Hasidim were saying. So they asked the mitzvah rebbe. What does he think about this? Does he like what they said, what he heard? So Mithrev responded, you're only translating the first half of the Mishnah. The second half of the Mishnah goes like this. Amira, Amira Literally, that means when you, when you make a promise to God that you're going to give something to the temple, it has the same halachic status as an act of acquisition to another person. In other words, when you are dealing with another person, a regular person, and you want to make an act of acquisition, so you have to actually transfer something physically to that person for the for the sale to be final. 
But when you just say something to Hashem, I'm going to donate something to Hashem, that promise itself is sufficient. So Mithra translated this and he said, the word Amira, which means to speak, also means to choose. And he said, Halavai, I wish that our dedication, Lagavaya, to God, should be as much as we're devoted to earthiness. Naturally, we're more devoted to earthy physical things than we are to our to what we what we believe is more important. So that's what the Middle Rebbe shared, and the Alter Rebbe was told what the Middle Rebbe said, and the Alter Rebbe said, such a teaching, such a statement, could only have been said by a Rebbe. So it means already at, at the age of ten years old, the Alter Rebbe saw in Middle Rebbe that he was going to be a Rebbe, and he was already sharing this, this this such a profound teaching. Bottom line is, yes, we're naturally predisposed to be devoted and into and earthy to, to physical stuff. Yeah, that's how God made us. And yet, it comes the day of Yud Kislev, and Hashem, where we are, in the circumstances that we're in, Hashem gives us the Geula, gives us the, the power of redemption to reveal who we are and what we are by deciding to learn these teachings of Chassidus and to, not just to learn them, but to absorb them and to bring them inside of ourselves in a way that 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 becomes us, becomes who we are. You notice that there's a difference between the Mithra Rebbe's teachings and the Alter Rebbe's teachings. The Alter Rebbe's teachings, the Rebbe said you could see an obvious difference. You just open up a, a, a book of the Alter Rebbe and there's a, you know, a few pages. The same book, the same concept, the Mithra Rebbe develops over a hundred pages. The same, the same exact thing. The Mithra Rebbe's teachings are, are generally called gates. The Alter Rebbe's teachings, Torah, or, Torah is called light. That's a teaching of the, the book of the Alter Rebbe's teachings and the Torah portion is called Torah or Torah is light. The Mithra Rebbe's teaching on the Torah is called Torah's Chaim. The Torah is called life. What's the difference between light and life? Light means something inspiring. Life means something that animates you. The Mithra Rebbe's teachings, most of his books are called Shar. The Shari Tshuva, the Gates of Tshuva, Shari Oira. What's the of a gate? The of a gate means that it's something that you could go into. It's something that can enter you and become part of you. That's why the Mithra Rebbe's, his day of redemption is called the birthday of a chassid. Because it's his teachings in a way of Rechav Sanar with the wide explanations and length and breadth and depth that allow us not just to, to learn something, but that this should become us, as the Tzemach Sedek said about his father-in-law, if you would prick him with a needle, blood wouldn't come out, chassidus would come out. One, one Friday night, I was cutting the challah, and my mistake, I cut my finger. So uh, I didn't want my son to see, so I like, put my hand so he couldn't see the, the, I was bleeding. So, oh, I know, I know, blood's coming out, because chassidus is coming out, right? So uh, it wasn't the reason. But... Shouldn't there be something in our blood that's Hasidic? Shouldn't there be something that, that's part of us, that if there would be a Hasidic laboratory that could analyze us, shouldn't that be something that's part of our perspective? So that's something that we get specifically through the teachings of the Mithra Rebbe, through Hasidus being revealed in a way that's in a, in a broad way. In, in this week's Torah portion it says, The simple translation of those words are, the sheep that gave birth later, Belong to Lavan. The sheep that gave birth earlier belong to Yaakov. The Mithrev explained Hatufa means to wrap yourself. Kshur means to be connected. So the Mithrev said 
Hatufim, Lavan represents the unholy. If you're just wrapping yourself in something, but it's not who you are, it's just something that's on the outside, it's not you, so then it's Lavan, it's not, it's not real. Hakshurim, how do you, what belongs to Yaakov, what makes it part, what, what makes it holy, it's, a, it's that it's Kshurim. It's not just something that we do, it's something that we're, that we're connected to, something that we, that, 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 that's a, uh, it's a part of us. As um, the theme of L'chaim L'chaim L'vracha, talking too much, L'chaim L'chaim L'vracha. This is the uh, revelation, the teachings of Mithra B'shidus, that's that, so that the so that things that we learn about should be things that we can understand and appreciate and feel and becomes us, Geula. And this is a day Hashem has given us to, to, to make this decision, to make the decision to open our hearts and minds, not just to, not just to learn, but to, but to live with it in a way that, that, that becomes part of us. There's, you know, right before the Mithra was born, the year before he was born, the Altar was married for many years without children. And before the Altar teacher, the Mizitcha Magid passed away, the Mizitcha Magid, uh, after Shabbos, he spoke to the Altar among uh, the um, the uh, other Hasidim of the Magid, the Chavrai Kadisha, and he told the Altar that how do you merit to have a child? As Archa is through having guests. In the merit of having guests, you have a child. And then he proceeded to tell the Alter Rebbe how he should prepare for uh, the bris of a child. And he asked the Alter Rebbe, why don't you ask me what you're supposed to do at a Shalom Zachar? He told the Alter Rebbe how to prepare for a bris and what you're supposed to do the night before the bris. But he didn't tell the Alter Rebbe what to do on the Shabbos before, on the Friday night before the bris. So he, so he asked the Alter Rebbe, why don't you ask me this? So the Alter Rebbe responded that I feel that the words that the Magad is telling me are, is like dew that is dripping from Atika Kadisha, is dew that's dripping from this lofty level of godliness, which is called Atik, which is, the word Atik means that it's removed, it's distant, it's not something that you could draw down, it's just something which is comes from on high, you can't, you can't bring it down. The Alter Rebbe, when he shared this teaching, his face was, you could see in his face that he was in a state of rapture, instead of Dveikos. And the Hasidim said, when they watched Alter Rebbe's face and he was sharing this teaching, they were frightened. They said the Alter Rebbe's face was analogous to the way it was on Yom Kippur, except that on Yom Kippur, his face was under a towel, so you couldn't really see it. But here, they were, Alter was talking to the Hasidim, and he could see his face, and they were literally frightened because of the intensity of the holiness of his face as he was sharing with them the last words that he heard from the Zitcha Magid about himself. The Zitcha Magid was telling him, he said, you, he said to him, this is what you should do to have a child. And then the Altar went into the state of rapture. Then he got out of it. And he continued the teaching of the Magid and his conversation. So he said, he said to his teacher, he says, when there's an arousal that comes from above, and something and God is giving you something from above, you can't draw it down. It's something which is just God is giving you. You can't bring it down. And therefore, Hashem told the Jewish people, and Moshe told the Jewish people when they were at the Reed Sea, you must be silent. It's not something you can bring down. 
You can't bring it down. It's something which is just coming from on high. So the so the Alter Rebbe uh, was then told by the Magid, you're going to have a child, and you should name the child after me, and then you should remember on, on the night before his bris, you should remember what I've told you. And sure enough, the Magid passed away, Yitzchislev, and the Alter Rebbe, the following year, Yitzchislev, he was blessed with the child with the Mitla Rebbe. So, and he remembered the teachings of the Magad, that how to prepare for this day, and what to do before the bris. So, the Mitla Rebbe was talad, not of a Kedisha. The birth of Mitla Rebbe, as Alter said, was something that just came from on high, it was the gift from Hashem, and something which is totally unexpected, something that they're not ready for. In a similar way, the Geula of Yid Kislev, it's not something you have to prepare for. It's not something like if you're Shabbos, you're into it, and you're learning the Shabbos, you're diving the Shabbos, and then you're, you're ready, Guli Kislev comes. No. Your Kislev is a talad in Nartif Matika Kadisha, the gift of Hashem. Doesn't matter what happened a moment ago. Doesn't matter what happened a day, a day ago, or a week ago, or a month ago, or a year ago. Now it's your Kislev. Now Hashem gives us the ability to be born as a Chassid, to wake up, to, to wake up and to be there. Lachaim Lachaim. We should be a vessel for the light of Chassidus, an inspiration of Chassidus. We should be into it. Any uh, questions or comments? No, thank you. All right. Good A friend of mine used to tell the Rebbe every every Matzei um, Shabbos, he used to tell the Rebbe Shavuot Tov, Gudvach. And one year it was Yudis Kislev, it was on our Shabbos, Matzei Shabbos. He told the Rebbe Gudvach, he said, Gudyantif. Gudyantif. He said, Gudyantif. Gudyantif, Gudyantif.